Welcome everyone to another edition of the Final Down NFL podcast with myself, Jim, Punk Raider and Denver Dave. We're here to talk about the NFL boys. How are we doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I've moved house. I'm, lived, yes. I'm surrounded by boxes. We are later this week oh, because like Punk's moving night. house. <laughs> okay. Yeah, blame, blame, blame idiot people that put telephone lines in lofts rather than in sensible places in their house so that you can actually mm-hmm. get internet. Do you know what? It might have been a bit of a blessing that we have had to wait the uh, next like 48 hours because so much has happened in the NFL. I thought it was going to be quite an easy podcast, this one. We saw about the games, maybe a couple of retirements, maybe one or two head coaching hires, um, but everything else has gone on as well. So we've got a lot to get through. Um, we're going to start off with some hires in the NFL, some head coaching positions being filled. Let's go with the boys that we've got here. So first of all, the Broncos have hired a new head coach, Nathaniel Hackett, was the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. He previously served as an offensive coordinator for the Jags and Bills, as well as Syracuse. He's known for his run games working, Fred Jackson and CJ Spiller in Buffalo back in 2014. Then the Fournette and Blake Bortles having the best rush attack in the league in 2017. He was sacked by Doug Marone when he was trying to save his own job. Hackett was snapped up by the Packers and baby-faced head coach Matt LaFleur. Uh, Dave, how are we thinking about this move then, mate? You know what? I'm of all the people that were available. I'm I'm quite happy for two reasons. Uh, number one, because as you say, he's got a track record of getting success. Mm. Um, but also because uh, and the previous well, three reasons. The previous staff we had was Vic Fangio, who was 63 years old. Yeah. Pat Shermer, who was 56 years old, and Mike Shula, who was 56 years old. Mm. Our current staff now we've got Nathaniel Hackett, who's the head coach, who's 42. Um, Justin Arton, who's 38, and Clint Kubiak, who's 34. I mean, if that's not a changing change in uh, direction of your offense, that tells you everything you need to know. So that's right. they'll be they'll be thirty nine, thirty five, and thirty six by the time they're sacked, won't they? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got those numbers completely wrong, but I appreciate the joke. Well yeah, <laughs> you get where I'm coming. They got from. plenty of more yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, treading the tires to go over places. Yeah, and but, be successful. I mean, it, the thing I've always said is, you know, you need a good quarterback. To back you up. I mean, does anyone honestly believe that Zach Taylor of the Bengals is now, you know, the all singing, all dancing coach that we didn't think he was 12 months ago? No, it's Joe Burrow. So, you know, let's let's not get too hung up on who the head coach is a lot of the time. Most of the time, the most important person in the building is the quarterback and the Broncos still don't have a solid quarterback yet. So mm. it doesn't concern me too much right now, but it's nice to see, it's nice to see, um, I see a young guy getting it in Denmark. So that, we haven't had that case since not since Josh McDaniels. To the Raiders, I have Josh a question. <laughs> on, I have a question. I have a question. Before we move on to Josh McFricking Daniels, <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think this then gives you a pole position to look at Aaron Rodgers coming don't, across? I don't buy into it as much. So anyone who doesn't know, as Jim just mentioned, he was the offensive coordinator. And uh, it wasn't the play caller, but he was. They put together um, game plans with the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers is obviously on his way out. He's got an out, and I think you have to pay a small price for him. I, I don't think it'll be a significant amount, um, but it depends how many bidders there are. So who knows? Um, does it put us in pole position? No. Does it make us more likely to get him? It probably makes us more of an attractive package. Um, but, I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers, so who knows? I, I don't think... I think even without the whole Rodgers stuff, um, I still think it was a good hire. I still think it was the right hire. I think Dan Quinn was probably... Um, Dan Quinn was probably the Broncos' first choice. He made it very clear, very clear 
that he was going to stay with the Cowboys. I think he's playing the long game to become the Cowboys head coach in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, he's become one of the hot, pro- who would have thought he'd become one of the hot properties in, in the NFL? You know, it's not something I saw come in. Um, so I think he's got a long game, fair play to him. And I think Nathaniel Hackett was probably one of, um, uh, you know, was one of the head guys. It's nice to also have a head coach coming in who had an elite college career as a long snapper. So uh, that, that's always nice as well. You so, love a long snapper. I love a long snapper. And also, also, you know, Clint Kubiak, anyone who doesn't know, his dad won Super Bowl 50. He's the head coach of the Broncos. There so is. a nice little segue there as well. Yeah. He was also a uh, quarterback in the league. Yes. He was. Drafted by the drafted by the Broncos as well. All right, so we've got a happy Denver, Dave. Now let's go on to yes. Punk Radio. You've been, I'll be even you've been very quiet, Punk, about this this hurrying move. But let's just say it. Las Vegas Not have raided the New England Patriots. Well, both in, a GM and a head coach. So Josh McDaniels will be a head coach for the second and a half time in his career. After interesting stint in Denver, then the embarrassing pullout in Indianapolis. We've all been in that position. Uh, new GM Dave Ziegler was a scout for the Broncos before moving up through the ranks in New England, ending up as director of player personnel. <sighs> I don't like Josh McDaniels. I haven't liked Josh (laughs) McDaniels in a very long time. Um, Will I support Josh McDaniels? Yes, probably. Why don't I? Well, I hate what he did to Indianapolis. Yeah. After putting a backroom staff in place and then going, oh, by the way, I'm not coming. Scumbag Um, behavior. Yeah. You know, he was god awful when he was head coach at your place. Eleven and seventeen. A massive. Massive amount of confidence. Well, I think the, the main um, thing he seems, about when he, he seems to he seems to fall sorry. out with people very quickly that aren't Bill Belichick. That's why. So, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if that was just a bit of immaturity on his part, or and he's learned a bit from that. But you know, I uh, it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, like you said, the head coach is not the be all and end all. Um, when it comes to these positions, I like to think that we've moved on from from just hiring the the latest hotshot youngster, like we did with you know Peter Griffin and all that a few years ago. Um, <laughs> for anyone that didn't get that, I meant Lane Kiffin. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Do you know what? I'm I'm not jumping for joy like I would have been with with. Um, Jim Harbour, if he'd come, I think he really would have, you know, pushed us forward. But I'm willing to give McDaniel's time and and see what he brings to the party. Um, the other side of it, the GM side of it, you know, the Patriots have always picked up good players and and you know, always put together good units. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, cap wise, we've got a fair bit of space, so we got we can make a few moves. And um, we've got to think a little bit about the future with Crosby and Renfro and, and even Carr if if we're going to extend them or you know what's going to happen there over the next couple of years. Um, but yeah, I think you know, it, I don't quite know why Josh McDaniels wanted the job to be honest. If and, unless he unless he's going to bring his bring a his own quarterback in. Because, you know, I can't see Carr being able to execute. Oh, maybe I can. Maybe I can see Carr being able to execute a Patriot-style offense. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, it did seem when he went back to Indianapolis that he was just waiting for the, the Patriots job to open up. And that was the you know, the conversation I had with Belichick is why he uh, backed out of the move to Indy. Let's not forget, he did get fired from Denver after having his... Uh, 
uh, the, the San Francisco 49ers walkthroughs videotaped. Yeah, so, so this is what I was going to say. So there was a lot of controversy within. It wasn't fired necessarily because of that. It was fired. Yeah, it was most. It was a week later. It was very close. Well, let's face it. So what happened? He had in two thousand nine. He had a six and nine start, I believe. Um, they ended the season eight and eight. Um, yep. And he started to burn a lot of bridges in the off season. Then there was uh, the videotaping scandal. But at that, he traded Jay Cutler as well three, for Kyle Orton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a move that in hindsight you wouldn't make. And um, he and he went when he got fired. He was three and nine. Um, so it, and the, so if you take away the first six, you know at that point. <laughs> but if you take away the so first he was eleven six, and seventeen, and he was eleven and seventeen. But if you take away the first six he had, you know at that point he's five and seventeen mm-hmm. in a division which wasn't as strong as it is now back then. You know no. so. No. But it was it was the fact that he'd burnt a lot of bridges and he'd, he'd ostracized a lot of people. I mean, you have to hope that that's changed in his personality. Um, but who knows? Who knows? I we mean, don't know. I mean, at the end I of the day, it's a terrible time in Las Vegas, if I'm honest. But that's just because you're rivals. That's all. That's, that's yeah, it. absolutely. The way that you do with and, and you know, I I hope that Hackett you know completely blows it and and you go own own seventeen next year. But absolutely, yeah, Aaron Rodgers towel and, carrier. Like, like we were saying earlier, until these guys actually get their feet under the table and start making personnel moves and everything else, it's it's kind of difficult to know who's going to work out and who isn't. You know? This is the other thing. This is the thing I didn't. I never really mentioned about um, what the Broncos have done. So previously, the Broncos, it's always been the execs that have hired the head coach, uh, the offensive coordinators and that kind of stuff. And um, this time it's been left up to the head coach. Who do you want? Go and get who you want. Um, and that's why we've gone and hired uh, the tight end coach from the Packers because it's someone he's worked with previously in trust. And I'd, I'd hazard a guess that Las Vegas are going to let Josh McDaniels hire who he wants as coordinators. Um, so yeah, no, I would have thought that Patricia got to be quite quite. Oh, now you're talking, Matt Patricia, Nagy and Patricia. Yeah, <laughs> Patricia might just be one of one of those guys though, who's actually a really good coordinator, just absolutely and just never, yeah, is more head coach. You do get them. You do get quite a lot, lot of them, yeah. actually. But no, no, I mean, you know, I'd I'd be very there's there's a few people still out there on the market that I'd be quite happy taking as coordinators. Mm. So you know, it's um. What's your what's your thought about um, Rich Spaghetti, whatever his name was? Pasaccia, that's the one. Um, um, so, I think I think probably I think if, it's rough. I think it's rough that you didn't. I think you, it's, you didn't get it. It's it it is and it isn't. I mean, you know, all along you would have known that it was interim coach, this, that, and the other. I mean, what he actually did with the team and the way the team kind of came out and yeah, you know, made it very obvious and very clear that they would very happily go into battle with him again um i thought he was a bit unlucky probably not to get the job to be honest um i don't think he did anything particularly wrong i think he could have done with some better coordinators around and helping him mm-hmm. not a fan of bradley's no blitz defenses and so on and so <laughs> forth but you know standard, standard uh, cover two every play yeah you know what i mean every <laughs> single play cover two if i'm if one, I'm the one deep though. one short but if i'm the know, same i'm ringing him going come in, come for an interview we want to have a chat with you just, just yeah, to get no, a figure on the hand of the kind of guy is because it's only what the Saints and the Jags that are left open now, right? I, I know think, the I think Vikings are, but they're not. The, the Vikings are still technically. Open. I, I think he did enough to prove himself that prove to the league that he can be a head coach somewhere. He's done himself no harm. Um, let's face it, no harm at all. And Texans you know, are still open. I, I, well. 
I would not have been disappointed if he'd stayed and, and got the job. Yeah. Let's move on and talk about another uh, head coach hiring then. So after tying up a new GM in Joe Shoon last week, New York Giants bagged one of the most popular candidates from this offseason's group, Byron Dayball. Dayball was the offensive coordinator in Buffalo uh, that has seen the rise of Josh Allen. Dayball worked his way up the coaching tree twice, the first time working for the Patriots, Jets, Browns, Dolphins before a bad season play calling for the Chiefs. So him knocked all the way back to a tight end coach in New England. Dayball had a chance as an OC again for Alabama. That allowed him to be picked up again by the Bills. And Dayball now takes the role of head coach for the first time. No pressure in New York. I think it's a good signing for New York. There's another aspect to this, which, of course, I think we'll probably cover later on. Yeah, I don't think it's uh, anything to do with Dable, particularly. He's, no, I think he was due to no, get no, a chance I, as I a head coach right. somewhere. So he was in the talking, he was in the running for the Broncos job. I'll be honest, I didn't want him. Because how often have we sat here saying, run the goddamn ball? And for some reason, the Bills didn't do it. So for me, I was kind of like... I don't want a guy that I was really frustrated with on another team. So let alone him coming in, he was a play caller mm-hmm. um, for the Bills. So if he, if they're going to rely as much on throwing the ball as he did in Buffalo, I think the Giants are going to really struggle because um, they need to have some level of creativity when it comes to running the ball. So this, this to me is one of those 50-50 hires. It's either going to work immediately and it's going to be great, at least for a couple of seasons, or it's just going to be an absolute dumpster fire from day one. I've got a feeling yeah. I know which way it's going to go. He's, he's, <laughs> the, the, the reason I say things like that is because he literally seems to bounce around season upon season. So, you know, like you said, Dave, he, he got canned from KC because he'd had a crap season. So he went back to Alabama and then he's jumped back into the league and, it's all well and great, but actually, you know, stay somewhere and build something. <laughs> well, he's been knocking around there, there and everywhere since 1997. He's only 46. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's a professional coach. I mean, he's got five Super Bowls to his name, but... You know, it will be single swim for him, I think. Yeah, this is... Going, in, going into that, in going into New York, it's, you know, it's not for the faint of heart, even when they're crap. So, <laughs> you know, that, that media is brutal. Yeah, the only thing that might go in is go in his favour is the fact that you know they've been so crap for so long, and I think expectations for the Giants are so low at the moment. Yeah, you could be right. Oh, never low for long though. Um, yeah. Last one for now. Then Matt Aberflus has been given the promotion from the Colts' defensive coordinator to the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Aberflus went from college coaching to the linebacker coach of the Browns for two seasons. The Cowboys for six seasons before getting a chance to play call for the Colts' defense. Aberflus becomes the 17th head coach of the Bears. I'm the fifth in the last 10 years. You sure he's not called Edelweiss? Edelweiss, Eberfluss. This is another bit of a kind of strange, very quick movement up there from like one season, basically, play calling for the Colts and he gets the head coach job for the the Bears. I think this would be a better place for Dable to go, to be honest, you know, getting a chance to work with Justin Fields rather than having this vanilla guy from a vanilla organisation try and take on a very uh, hot seat in Chicago the last few years. As I said, five head coaches in 10 years. I mean, Chicago does, as I think we mentioned last week in the Patreon pod, you know, Chicago does have some pieces there Mm -hmm. um, that you can do things with as long as you're not stupid. Um, But I think you're right. I think, I think for me, it almost smells that Dable should have gone there and, I don't know. It it just is he going to be any good? I, who knows? I mean, Chicago is going to be a bit of a weird one. 
I think, next season because they're going to have so many, let's say, older good players that will be looking for a final contract and so on and so forth. They might just kind of play out the skins. You're just not quite sure. Um, I think day one impression will be a lot. Um, but yeah, it's like, like like we were saying before with all of these, with McDaniels and, and everybody, and until they actually get in the building and start making moves, it's very difficult to tell how suited a coach will be to a, a particular organisation. And, and of course, you know, the, they might have just interviewed well. Yeah, just for the record, the Colts yards per game, which I think is one of the best barometers you can get for a defense rather than points scored and stuff. Yards per game, Colts sat 16th in the NFL, which is as average as one can get. Um, but I mean, I, I'm not sure how well coordinated translates to head coach, to be perfectly honest, simply because. I think you've got the ability to organize a team versus the ability to stand up in front of millionaires and get them to do what you want them to do. And they're two very different things. So best of luck to him. Yep. So best those were the... all the new coaches. Not all of yeah, them. Yeah, well, some not of them. Josh yeah, McDaniels. all of them. All of them. No, not, not Josh McDaniels. <laughs> no, all of them. Even, even Josh. Let's even talk about... The Washington football team, boys. They are the Washington football team no more. Um, leaked about 24 hours before it was actually... Does calling them the Snyders? Well, we can still call them the Snyders, I guess, until he's, uh, he's canned out as well. But yeah, they're now the Washington Commanders. What do we think about the name? I don't think it's that bad, to be you know honest. You know, if, if you're going to call a franchise you know the what? Browns or the Packers, Commanders are all right. I was in... I was in a meeting with loads of people, none of whom really have any great interest in football when it broke. Mm-hmm. And uh, my phone pinged and I laughed and someone said, what's that? And I said, so I told them, I said, oh, Washington football team have just got a new name. They're now called, and they were all aware of the, the Washington Redskins. They are one of the sort of premier teams like the Dallas Cowboys. You don't have to be know anything about the NFL. You've heard of them. They are, you know, they're synonymous as a franchise. And I said, oh, uh, they're not there. They've been called the Washington football team for the past couple of years. Um, and I said, oh, their new name is the Washington Commanders. Every, almost every person in that meeting laughed. I said, what a stupid name. And they don't even watch the NFL. And they were like, that's a stupid name. It doesn't sound right. It's ridiculous. It doesn't flow. It doesn't. I was like, yeah, I agree. Talking of flow, I mean, it does, it does stand for WC, which maybe doesn't translate to the Americans, <laughs> but for us. Yeah, it's a water closet. I thought about that. That's really good. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the name. I think there were better uh, ones out there, weren't there? You know, I think Red Tails, Red Hogs, any of those would have would have kind of worked. If you take out um, the word red, if they don't if they don't like the word red for some reason, then even okay. Well, if you didn't like the word red, then just call them the Tails or Hogs or you know even Generals. I think would have worked better than Commanders, but yeah, Commanders. Such a such a kind of long convoluted word. I mean, it fits with Washington, obviously, but it it I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't they, feel quite right. I mean, this got leaked about a month ago, anyway, so no great surprise to me, to be honest. Aren't the generals the ones that get beaten by the Harlem Globetrotters? Yeah, yeah, the Washington yeah, Generals. Yeah. You can't be. Then you can't be the Washington yeah. Generals, can you? And of course you can. They play, <laughs> in, they play in Burgundy as well. Mm. It's, it's like theatre. <laughs> the Harlem Globetrotters. Mm. I went and saw them a few years ago. Actually, it's very entertaining. They're good, aren't they? They're yeah. really good. So there you go, Washington Commanders. We can now oh, give I, them. Do you know what? 
I'm still giving my name. I'm sorry, man. I'm just. I'm, I'm just calling Washington. Washington. That's fine. Uh, we've also Washington. got a a huge retirement to to discuss, uh, and that is that. Uh, well, one of the top top quarterbacks ever to play the game, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, <laughs> retired last week uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he was selected 11th pick in 2004, uh, so first round, two-time Super Bowl champion, NFL Rookie of the Year in 2004, six Pro Bowls, um, two times NFL passing leader. He completely ended up with 64.4% completion percentage, 418 touchdowns, 64,088 yards passing, and a rating of 93.5. Uh, so middle of the rating average then. He has been my quarterback for the majority of my NFL uh, watching life. And you need a tissue. The vast majority. I, I've gone through a box <laughs> uh, over the years. But uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be emotional to not see him there because I think I tweeted out like, you, know, you always feel comfortable. Every time you go into a season with a franchise quarterback, you just know you're not going to have a terrible season. Know. And we haven't. We haven't I gone under, eight, under 500. Um, in the whole of Mike Tomlin's career. So, yeah, Ben has just been a steady force and you just it always gives you a chance in the game to win it and to make it to the playoffs, to it's, win the division. It's a bit exciting though as well, right? No, we this is terrifying now. <laughs> Welcome to my world. I don't but want it's, that. It's yeah. I never wanted it. On off season where you can, where, you know, you can sort of dip and dive and you don't know what it's going to... You're just now on. entering your Matt Flynn years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember some of the old quarterbacks, you know. I've obviously watched some of this stuff as well. But uh, it's when you yeah. invest your future in Blaine Gabbert. Going you're, looking, you're looking for a Cordell Stewart clone. I'd you? love Cordell Stewart. I loved Slash. He was he was fun to watch. <laughs> no, he was ahead of his time as well. So, yeah. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He, wasn't. he was a Randall Cunningham clone. Well, you know what I mean. Like, now Randall he would Cunningham just be normal. The original. He was definitely, he was definitely I mean, kind of one of the weird ones back then. If you're going to clone anyone, man. And if you want to hear more about Randall Cunningham, sign up to our Patreon, because I wrote a piece on him a while ago. When's your next piece you coming out? read up? it on there. Well, I think there's probably three or four oh, that are on the, come in, on. In the works. But I, just <laughs> I don't want to finish that. I don't want to think about Punk getting his piece out. That's the last thing I want oh, to Oh, Jesus off. Christ. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be almost impossible to to fill his shoes, especially one of them, which was always bigger than the other. Um, yeah. yeah. Why was that? Uh, it was usually injured. Was I think. Just a weird, <laughs> weird, weird, more comfortable thing that he wore a bigger shoe or probably a superstition thing. Everyone's got one foot thing. bigger than the other and that kind of No, thing. Dave. I think everyone's got one foot slightly bigger than the other. Yeah, that but... is a thing, right? Yeah, no, yeah, no it is a thing, but not normally a whole shoe size bigger. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I'm, we'll... had a similar thing. Could I miss Kano him? had a similar thing because he had a size 5 and a size 4. So what did, what did, what was question for you then? Like size 13 or something. Question for you then, Jim. What do you what do you think what do you think you're going to do? Who do you think is are you, are you free agent Oh, I hope bringing so. Bringing in a Rogers or someone. I or hope so. Hoping that Rudolph steps up and, no. and really, you know. No, the answer takes, is not in takes our... Takes the team by the scruff of the neck. The answer is not currently in our building. Um, you still yeah. got Haskins. Yeah, the answer is not in our building. That could be the answer. No, it's not, in, it's not in the draft. So it's not Kenny Pickett or any other person they want to put forwards <laughs> as a potential draft choice. Um, Pickett. The, the only the only plausible opportunity is through the uh, free agency period, is getting someone like Rogers or Garoppolo or Wilson. You know, it's it's one of those. 
or we're going to so drop right down to the bottom. What you're saying is that at some point over the last four or five years, the Steelers should have actually picked up their next quarterback. I said it. I've said the last four or five years. Every year, you should probably take a quarterback in the draft because you know eventually it's going to come round. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the only way we're around it, right, is if we absolutely suck next year with. Rudolph, Rudolph or Haskins, and then we get a very high draft pick. We managed to pick up like a Bryce Young or something like that. You're thinking like suck for Young or something. Yeah, exactly. Suck for the the top quarterback next Mm. next next year. (laughs) So yeah, you know what I mean. So that's the only way that it will work. Yeah, waste a season. Unfortunately, when you got some good talent on there like TJ Watt and that, but yeah, if it means you bring in like the next Joe Burrow, then it's worth it. I think that the Steelers are too good a franchise, and you've got no idea how much it hurts me to say that. <laughs> too good a franchise to do that. I think there's certain franchises what would never suck for a quarterback, and I think you're one of them. The Browns would do that. Mm. I mean, the Browns suck for a decade. And they well, allegations are that they were, yeah. Well, that was it. Well, we'll you're... get into that later. Yeah, but. Um, I, I don't think this, I don't think that's in the Steelers' makeup. I really it's don't. It's not. It's not. So we're. So that we'll have to see what it, it's going to be. Very interesting. What happens? Obviously, it's Kevin Colbert's last um, draft as the GM before he walks off into the sunset. So God knows what he's going to do with us for his last time round. You never know if he's just trying to he go could be sensible or you for the next decade. He, could, he absolutely <laughs> could. Yeah, he absolutely could. He could draft us a quarterback. Does he have any grievances? <laughs> None, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> uh, yeah, back to Roethlisberger, though. Obviously, he spent his entire career with us, 18 seasons. Um, yeah, really, really happy that he was our quarterback, completely embodied what Pittsburgh is. So, yeah, it's going to be emotional. And obviously, first ballot for Hall of Famer. It's going to be one hell of a class. Um, oh, yeah, and Tom Brady retired as well. So, with that, we're going to go on to the games, the AFC and AFC Championship games. First game of the weekend looked to be going the way of the favourites. The Chiefs got a touchdown on their first three possessions. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and McCole Harbour moving the Chiefs easily up to a 21-3 scoreline. But two drives before halftime shifted the momentum right back into Cincinnati's favour. First was the Bengals finally getting a drive done, with Burrow tossing a short pass to Samaj P. Ryan, who avoided the tackle attempt by Traverius Ward and raced into the end zone for a 41-yard touchdown with 105 remaining in the opening half. The final drive of the half for the Chiefs had them at the one-yard line, but two passes didn't work and they lost the chance to even kick a field goal. It meant the halftime score was the same as week 17 when the Bengals came back and won it. After a Chip Mahomes pass was pulled in by BJ Hill, Burrow got the ball back to his number one target, Jamar Chase, to tie the game up, erasing an 18-point deficit. Tying an AFC title game record for largest comeback held by the Colts, with Evan McPherson's 52-yarder giving the Bengals a late 24-21 lead. The Chiefs still had a chance at the winning touchdown in the closing seconds of regulation, but sacks by some Harbard on consecutive plays forced Kansas City to settle for the tying field goal from Harrison Butker. The Bengals lost the coin toss, but the Chiefs went basically three and out. Conversely, the Bengals coolly moved the ball down the field, and nine plays later, they were kicking the 31-yard field goal to win the game. The first time in 33 years that they're heading to the Super Bowl, the final score was the Bengals 27, Chiefs 24. I'm still in shock about this game. Did they go three and out? I thought there was an interception. Well, it was basically three it... and out because it was an interception on the third oh, pass. But it was, it was incomplete. It was an in- interception. He then basically downed it. Well, tried to run around, but didn't get what? anywhere. So. This, was, this might be my favourite game. I was so excited. I, so I was out in the first half 
came, came back. No, I genuinely, I was out and I looked at this guy and I was like, ah, toss. Well, I'll mm-hmm. start watching the second half anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more I watched, the more I got. I'm convinced I'm the Bengals' lucky charm. I mean, it has to be. Uh, well, what other possible explanation is it? What is it? Joe Burrow behave? It's me. Come on. I'm a lucky charm. Going to have to lock you up there um, in a the week's time. <laughs> I might not have a TV to watch on. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I, I, the more the game went on, the more enjoyable it was. And over time, I was jumping up and down like a little child. Sure you were. Room. I was so excited. Um, you wouldn't believe he was a Broncos fan. Was no. I know, right? When he bangs on about the Bengals and the Lions. <laughs> I, I really love the Lions. I really do. Um, Bengals. <laughs> the thing is, it's bittersweet a little bit because I think the Bengals, well, not the Bengals, Joe Burrow is so good. Right now, the Bengals feel refreshing. But in a couple of years, it's going to be, oh, God, say the Bengals again. And I think that's how good Joe Burrow is. It's got the potential to become very annoying very quickly. Mm. Um, but it was not, I, I wanted to see uh, the Bengals in the Super Bowl because it's something completely different that I've not seen before. So for me, this is the perfect, end. and I predicted it as well. Um, one of the main things that I mentioned was yards after catch. Um, I think that kind of played out in the second half. I haven't gone back and watched the first half, so I don't know. And I've got no interest in watching the first half dominated by the Chiefs, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. But the second half, it kind of played out, not as much as I thought, but the amount of times they get, you know, the reception and then yards after the catch would be a decent chunk to get a first down or to get big plays. But the main part was just Burrow's ability to stay cool in the pocket. It was phenomenal. I, I, I could sit here whacked in lyrical all day, but no one wants to listen to that. So, I game, How about you, Punk? This, this game was an exact replica of the game they played uh, at the jungle about, what it was, was week it? 17? In December, something like that? Week 17. Yeah. Mm. You know, Chiefs jumping out to an early lead, Bengals coming back, blah, blah, blah. All right, you mm. didn't have Jamar Chase going for 200 and God knows how many yards and X amount <laughs> of touchdowns. But, you know, I don't. I, I don't know if it's a mental block with the Chiefs or or whether they just thought, oh yeah, no, just like when we beat the Broncos and stuff, we can just sit on a twenty point lead and not worry about it. Ooh. Or you know, it, it just seemed really weird to me that in the second half the Chiefs just couldn't do anything. Now some of that you have to give credit to the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they 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 did play a lot better. It was almost as if they kind of got over their stage fright a little bit and. And and actually suddenly realised, hang on a minute, these are the Chiefs. We know we can beat them. You know, it's not. It's 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 not beyond the realms of possibility that it was just nerves in the first half that kind of caught the Bengals out, and the Chiefs just moved on forward. But for the Chiefs to actually, they never really seemed to have that urgency in the second half to go and score more points. It was like they were trying, but they weren't trying too hard. You know. Um, Do you know what it looked like? It looked like, I'm going to use a cricket analogy here, but you know when you've got a really, really good team who just can't get runs and you're looking going, you guys just aren't on form. For some reason, they're just not able to do what they usually do. They, they just don't look themselves. And that's what the Chiefs look like. Which is why it's so important to talk half, about the, the first, first half, half though, Dave, did. because yeah, in the first half, you haven't seen, they moved on. Every, every single play was a, a positive play. Every, you know, yeah. Every scramble by, by Mahomes for extra time in uh, outside the pocket, inside the pocket, he would then find his target downfield. You know, they were moving the ball at will. It was 21-3 for a reason. The Bengals could not first stop half, 
the first half was just a continuation of what had been happening against the Bills. Mm. It really was just a continuation of that game. And at that point, you know, going into halftime, I was sitting there going, this could really be a nasty score at the end of it. Yeah. Because the, um, the Bengals weren't doing anything. But then the second half, it just completely flipped. And, and Christ knows why. Well, that, that play at the end of the I first read. half was, was really important because if, if they'd taken a field goal, then it's not the same score they had at halftime in the Week 17 game. I think that's really important. It gave the Bengals the, the knowledge that they could come back from it. Um, a touchdown yeah, or a field goal on, the, the, on those last two plays, I think might have just about... You'll you never know for certain, but that definitely yeah, helped the Bengals, the Bengals play, halftime. One of the, one of the Bengals players said um, after the game in their interview, you never know whether to trust it or not, but mm-hmm. they basically said, look, we, we took the momentum from stopping them on falls down in the red zone, we took that into halftime and never looked back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did read on Twitter, and I, when you read the, it was someone, the person who said it had a blue tick next to them, but I don't know what that means. But basically, <laughs> they said in NFL postseason history in the modern era, when it's been two combined leagues, you've never seen the movement of QBR or quarterback rating rather from um, as high as it was in the first half to as low as it was in the second half that Mahomes had. So you've never had a swing that great because I think his QBR was in single digits. In the first half, it was like 90-something. Mm-hmm. Our pass rating was 90-something. Second half, it was like 1.8 or something ridiculous. And there's never been that swing before from a quarterback um, in the postseason. So, again, it's something on Twitter. You don't know whether it's true or not. But I if mean, it is it, true, it's a surprise. It's some, really something it. happened somewhere because, you know, just, just the iron smell test, the Chiefs, get the bed basically in the second half but and there's no rhyme or reason as to why because they were still yeah it was at arrowhead and they were yeah. still running the same sorts of plays it wasn't like they'd done what the rams had done the week before and just kind of gone into you know prevent no lose mode it was yeah, it mode, really yeah. was a case of, of just the bengals stepping up i guess and making the stops i still hate the overtime rule i still think it sucks even though it went the right way this <laughs> yeah time. i agree i agree um but you know, it, I mean, what the Bengals are doing, you you do get that kind of team of destiny thing now. You know, so all the way along, I want to ask you two a question. Um, all the way along so far, um, we've said when I don't want to call them the little teams, but you know what I mean when I say that the little teams, the unexpected be, teams, teams. Big, yeah, the unexpected yeah. teams begin uh, beating the favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, we get the feeling sometimes that this is their Super Bowl. We've said it on numerous occasions. I think you might have said it with the Bengals beating the Titans. Mm-hmm. Look at you, punk. No, I said it. Was it you that said it? Mm-hmm. This didn't feel like the Bengals Super Bowl. This the Super Bowl will feel no. like the Super Bowl. This this felt like well, they won it and they deserved to win it. But again, I only won the second half, so I don't know. You, only so you then it felt like the tell. Buffalo game for the Chiefs was their Super Bowl. You could, that, you could that was be my yeah, next exactly. That was going to be my next question. You you could tell from the um the the, the Bengals celebrations at the end of this game were I think anyway more muted than the ones against the Titans. I think yeah. in their head they thought that's it, we're fine, we're done. Whatever the Chiefs do now, it doesn't matter. And I think they just whether whether it was that stand at the end of the first half or you know quite what it was that that flipped it in their heads and made them go actually no we can win this game. Um, I think they've realized all of a sudden that actually, you know, the Super Bowl is going to be their Super Bowl this year. Yeah. 
And you know, <laughs> I, 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 I think this. You know, no, I, you I, I see that? no reason yeah. as to why they can't win it. It's a one-off game now. Well, you they're know? one of the two teams in it, so they've got a, they've got a massive chance. Um, I'm going to quickly plug another uh, YouTube channel, and that's the QB School. Um, <gasps> JTO, so I know, I know, great doesn't do the same thing that we do, so it's fine. JT O'Sullivan's an ex-NFL quarterback, and he highlighted in a video uh, the, well, this week um, a couple of plays that Mahomes had where he could have still got a touchdown on that last drive. When he took two sacks in a row um, to end up with a field goal, there, yeah. there was a clear yeah. shot to Kelsey in the end zone um, that could have been taken. So if you want to check that out, then, yeah, the QB school uh, is very good for scouting uh, college QBs and, uh, and breaking down plays uh, using your 22 I've camera. So. I've got one more question and this is because you two watched the first half and the second half Why the second <laughs> and then we're half? moving on <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and it goes back to a question I asked last week remember last week on percentages mm-hmm. I said what percentage of this blah, blah, blah. and I want to ask on that the second half turnaround in score what percentage would you give it that it happened because of the Bengals and what percentage would you have give it because of the Chiefs was it a Chiefs collapse or was it a Bengals comeback what kind of ratio I think do you, do you know I what I mean 50 50 I think I think the Bengals suddenly believed and mm. I think the Chiefs for whatever reason just couldn't execute now I don't I'm, I don't necessarily think that that the Bengals forced the Chiefs not to execute as much as maybe the Chiefs went oh god not again and kind of you know just just shot themselves in the foot a little bit um, I, you know, the Bengals defense didn't do anything in particular that made me suddenly sit up in the second half and go, well, they, they oh, changed they've changed from, that. They've changed well, this. They've they done. changed from playing um, zone to man, which yeah. was one big thing. But, but that's also massively risky against the Chiefs, as you and I both know, because, you know, Tyreek Hill's only got to get half the yard of separation and he's away. Well, this is um, the thing. They, they changed the double. I mean, these, this is all the stuff that the commentators called during the game. And if the commentators can call it, I'm sure that the uh, Chiefs coaching staff can as well. So they called exactly. it. They've moved from zone to man in the first half and they're double teaming um, Tyreek Hill on every single play, which means yeah. that you're having to go one on one with Travis Kelsey. And they just but weren't then, able to then, make that then, But when you're the Chiefs, you're used to that. You know, yeah. we do yeah, that yeah. all the time. So but that's why you've got Pringle, Hardman, and Kelsey. You know, it, it shouldn't have been that complicated. So whether it's how much of it was actually the Bengals and how much of it is the Chiefs, I'm really not sure. I mean, but I'd, I'd say it's probably 50-50. And Mahomes just, just being bad in the second half and, you know, not hitting his mark. It was rubbish in the second half. I mean, again, I didn't watch the first half, so I can't give him any credit. But, but again, I'm going to give credit to the Bengals' defence in that respect because what was working in the first half, he was not taking too long to get his throws off. The second half, You'd watch him in the pocket and then you'd count, hang on, three seconds, four seconds. And they've spent a lot of money on that line. So he was able to stay up upright. You know, he wasn't able to in the, in the Super Bowl last year, but he had the time in the pocket. But for whatever reason, they weren't getting open downfield for him to feel confident in throwing the ball. And that then led to him scrambling. Like I said, that last drive, you know, there were times when he would just not feel comfortable releasing the ball. Um, and I've got to give credit to the, the Bengals secondary for that because then it allows the the defensive lines to try and get through. You know, Hendrickson had a good game. Uh, BJ Hill had a good game, obviously, getting his tip pick uh, interception. Uh, so they all kind of played their part. I think, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to not give it 50 I'm going to give it like uh, 70 to 30. I'm going to give the, the credit to the Bengals because the offense spurred them on, obviously, when you've got someone as cool as Joe Burrow 
um, moving that offense down the field. The, the defense then feels, well, all we've got to do is stop them now, you know, and we can, and we know we're going to score when uh, we give the ball back to the other team, uh, the offense. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give them more credit to the Bengals as much as I don't want to. <laughs> um, I'm going to give that credit <laughs> to the Bengals that they, I think they deserve. Mm, interesting. And with that, we're going to move on to the Sunday night game uh, and the NFC championship game. saw the 49ers travel to the SoFi for the second time this season to face their division rivals, Los Angeles Rams. I wonder what Cardinals fans felt watching this game. Anyway, the Niners had won the last six meetings and the first half looked like that streak was going to continue. The Rams struggled to really get going. Jimmy Ward intercepting a goal line pass from Matt Stafford on their second drive. The Rams' third drive took almost 10 minutes, but did end up with a Cooper Cup touchdown catch to put some points on the board. The Niners responded with a touchdown of their own four plays later, with Debo Samuel scampering 44 yards into the end zone. LA missed a field goal on a 54-yard attempt by Matt Gay. Mr. Playoff Perfection Robbie Gould knocked his attempt through as the half ended to see the Niners into the break with the lead. It didn't get much better for the Rams in the third quarter as a drive stalled with Stafford failing to convert a QB sneak on a fourth and one. The Niners moved down the field and George Kittle's touchdown catch made it a 10-point game. But the Rams seemed to pick up with this adversity, moving down the field relatively easily and Cooper Cup got his second touchdown of the game. Matt Gay made up for his first half miss with successful field goals from 40 and 30 yards out for the Rams to take the lead. Facing third and 13 with just over a minute left, the desperation pass from Jimmy G as he was being taken to the ground by Aaron Donald was tipped by the receiver and picked by linebacker Trayvon Howard. The Rams ran out the clock to get the host of their own Super Bowl chance. The final score was the Niners 17, Rams 20. You know the thing that I was most impressed with in this game, and it's not the obvious thing, it's, it's not the obvious thing, it's the fact that the Rams kept running the ball, which made the 49ers defense stay honest. So the Rams had no success running the ball, like none, which is not surprising considering that um, defensive line that the 49ers have got. But they made the Ram, they made the 49ers defense commit to stopping the run. They ran the ball 29 times. I mean, for like <laughs> 60 yards. It's nothing. Yeah. But they kept on making them cover um, the run. And because of that, Cooper Cup came out of 142 yards. Eldale Beckham came out of 113 yards. So they were making them, you know, they couldn't take a man out of the box. They just couldn't mm-hmm. do it. So it opened up the backfield and allowed, you know, it, it kind of didn't allow the 49ers to go two-man coverage on Cup or Beckham. Um, and it was just the perfect, it was the perfect game scheme in sort of second half especially. Um, I, I do think that the Rams choking early on in games is something they need to address and they need to address it soon. Um but I, I, I came out of the game feeling like the right team won this one. It, it was to me, it was a bit of a strange game. I mean, obviously, defenses were on top in very much so in the first half, but it kind of almost boiled down to a tale of two quarterbacks, mm-hmm. and very much a case of you know Stafford showing that he is that elite type of quarterback that can you know, drag his team through in big moments and, you know, hit those plays. And you know, anytime you've got two receivers over a hundred yards, you've had a good day, you know what I mean? And then yeah. there's, there's the other side where, you know, Garoppolo just permanently seems to panic whenever he's put under any pressure at all. And, you know, that interception right at the end to seal it, it's kind of the perfect example of that. You know, he, all he had to do was just hit the guy five yards away in the numbers or throw it in the ground. You know? He was being tackled to the ground by Aaron Donald, punk. I mean, you know, he no, I, amazing no, got the throw yes. off in the first place. 
<laughs> so just 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 realize that though you know what i mean realize yeah, it and stop now it's, now it's gorgeous as well you know something that you can't now jim now jim knows yeah. there's a chance of stealers getting garoppolo yeah, exactly. him him. always liked him always liked him i agree i think the right team won and i think the better team won mm-hmm. if i'm honest um i, I think i struggle Garoppolo, not not means for trouble. The only reason Garoppolo probably looked worse is because it's a lot harder going against that Rams defense than it is going against. I'm talking secondaries mostly, than it is going against the 49ers. because that that because the Rams sort of secondary they almost yeah, pay kill every package. You 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 say that, but it's really not for the Rams because the 49ers have beaten them six times in a row. Before. Yeah, Fred Warner's a beast. You know. Fred, Fred Warner. If people don't know Fred Warner by now, he isn't. You know, he is a monster on on the defensive line. You know, if you if you could stick him in with Donald and Floyd and that lot, then my God, you'd have a fearsome foursome. <laughs> but you know, um, I I I just honestly believe this came down to the quarterbacks this game, and and Stafford actually being able to make adjustments, being able to hit his receivers, you know. Obviously, it helps when when your two main receivers are Cuff and Beckham, because I don't, you know, as much as we we slate Beckham, he is a good receiver. He can catch the ball. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't get freaked out by big moments and big occasions. If Cup is getting double teams, then you know Stafford's very very aware that Beckham will be one on one and will win that matchup most times. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the Forty Nines will be a bit disappointed that they didn't play better. But I also think that that actually the Rams didn't let them either. So, you know, I think it was, it was very much a case of, of the best team won. We have got to mention that there was one moment with about 10 minutes left with the Niners still in the lead when Stafford threw a, a just a, almost like a punt up into the yeah, air and Jaquizki Tart didn't come down with the ball. It, the numbers, it, was, it looked like a punt. Yeah. It honestly looked like a punt. He was no one, no one was near him and he had the ball in his hands. And it fell through him with like inertia or something. But if he had caught yeah. that, that that if game he caught swings. that, it might have might have swung the entire game back the other way. Yeah, um, because Niners could have sat on that lead for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah down for more points. But you know, that's, that's the way not, the cookie crumbles. That one wasn't that wasn't the worst throw of the game. Um, the worst throw of the game was from Coach McVay <laughs> um, when he threw his challenge flag. Challenging. When, yeah. uh, <laughs> a challenging on fourth down. Uh, they, they, there was a turnover fourth on there. One, yeah. Through a challenge, yeah. like really not good at challenges. I think was it, was it, was it, um, Coward Usech, Usech, Usech came Juszczyk. short of the, yeah. yeah, he came short of the line, um, and then it was a turnover on downs. Then he throws his challenge flag and loses a timeout. You think you plum? What have you done that for? Um, so yeah, no, that was that was the dumbest throw of the evening. Uh, <laughs> We'll do that then. So there we go. So we now know that it's going to be the Cincinnati Bengals against the Los Angeles Rams. Not many people had that so in their uh, in their bet builder. Who did who did who did you have again? I can't remember who you had, Jim. You had the Chiefs, Chiefs Rams, obviously. Was it Chiefs Rams? Was Chiefs to win it? Fairly certain it was Chiefs Rams. Chiefs winning it. Which you know, if they played the whole full the Bills, night, full sixty minutes, the same way. So you had mm. Bills Rams. I had yeah. Rams Chiefs. So we all had the Rams. So. You know, that's our level. I'd I'd be utterly, utterly dumbstruck if anyone, even the most hardcore of Bengals fans, had the Bengals to reach the Super Bowl. It has so, been we've, the we've, most amazing season, season for them to go from a four-win season to then coming through and uh, doing what they did. 
it's just uh, I'd be impressed if someone did that on Madden, if I'm honest. I mean, <laughs> is that, that's not a bad thing to do there. If you did that on Madden, you'd be like, I need to up the difficulty, man. This is too this is too easy, isn't it? You'd be like, turn it up a bit. I can't play on amateur mode forever. Exactly. But yeah, for winning a division as well, winning the AFC North after coming bottom of it the season before. Uh, when everyone was talking about the Bengals, sorry, it wasn't the Browns or the Ravens or, you know, Steelers have been there forever as well. So, you know, to come through and do that. Yeah. Insane. And all all kudos has got to go to to Joe Burrow. I'm not going to give it to Zach Taylor. I'm going to give it to Joe Burrow. And Jamar Chase in his rookie season, he's going to think it's easy. Smashing it. Smashing it. Yeah. Talking of smashing it, you you have to take your hat off to Cooper Cup. He now oh, yeah. singularly holds the record for most receiving yards in the season, including, um, playoffs, including yeah. most seasons ever. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you count his yards in kilometers now. You don't even do it in yards. <laughs> He's got that many. It's ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, good, good to get him in fantasy next year. Yep. Uh, it also means uh, if you're looking at the draft list uh, for April, it means that the Dolphins now pick at 29, thanks to the 49ers uh, giving away their pick, and the Chiefs are going to be picking at 30. So we only need to find out now are the Bengals or the Lions picking at 31? Because obviously the Rams gave their pick away. So um, the, Rams, yeah. the Rams gave their pick away in the second round as well. The Broncos have got that for uh, Von Miller. Yeah, so I, the I, Lions are going to be interested to see who wins the Super Bowl. Yep. <laughs> They've got to hope it's not LA, right? They've got to hope it's not LA. Not, yeah. not necessarily just to get the better pick, just just because they don't want to be the guy that gave away his Super Matt Stafford. Yeah. quarterback in, in season one. Yeah. Well, it's just what they were doing with him. Uh, so that's it. So we're not going to do the predictions, obviously, until next week's podcast. We have to have something to talk about next week. Um, yep. Well, I'm sure there'll be something else will pop up. But for now, so say if the news this week's anything to go by, we'll have plenty to talk about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so just before we go any further, just wanted to give a little PSA to all the listeners that normally we we bleep our foul language, usually Dave's. Um, but for this next section, I'm not going to do that. So just a fair warning that um, because what we're going to be discussing is pretty serious, uh, we felt that you know bleeping it wouldn't really convey just how annoyed we feel at the entire subject matter. So there we go. I, I wanted to save this till after the games because obviously you know this is not an easy subject I think to broach. It's something that we you know we we try to stay on the lighter side of of the sport that we all love, but. Sometimes think something comes up that you just have to kind of note and uh, and make comment on. And ex Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores, he's thrown a stick of dynamite into the ants' nest this week. Um, he's raised a lawsuit against the NFL for hiring practices after producing the receipts that the Giants had already picked their replacement before even interviewing Flores for the role. Um, he's talked about the box checking that the Rooney Rule is forcing these organisations that have no intention of looking. Um, seriously at black coaches for their franchise. Denver was mentioned in that lawsuit, so we'll mention that. I know you've, you've tweeted, Dave, earlier about this, but um, John Elway was noted with some associates as turning up to an interview with him. Not not drunk, but hungover. And we've all been so, in interviews where someone's not really paying attention, or you, you, get, an, you get an idea if this is a serious job offer or not pretty quickly. Uh, I've, I've read the lawsuit. I've read all of it. Mm-hmm. 
um, I skipped over the bits that were to do with um, sort of where it was going to be held and who had jurisdiction and all the legal sure. stuff and all that kind of thing. But I genuinely have read all of it. Mm. Um, it's 53 pages mm-hmm. in total. And the Broncos are mentioned in two separate pieces and each piece is identical. Yep. And it's nine lines. Mm-hmm. And there's three parts. I know I'm Broncos specific, but hey, shoot me. Um, <laughs> there's three specific parts that the Broncos are mentioned for. And that's A, they turned up late. The Broncos have disputed that and said they can provide evidence for that. So that's one part. The second part was that everyone's saying, oh, that, that they were drunk. Well, it says that it was obvious they were hungover. It doesn't say, it doesn't say drunk. Before. Yeah. The night before, the night before, night before they were drinking heavily before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not a criminal act, as far as I can tell. So that's null and no, void. Not professional um, either. Tech, not professional, but not null. It's not, no. you know, that's that's not illegal as far as I know. That's, that's not the And no. the final part is that it was a chick tick box exercise because they didn't seem interested. Mm-hmm. Now, in all of this, and I, I support everyone being given a fair shake of things. I genuinely mm. do. But in in this particular entry about him not being given a fair shake, there's very little evidence or anything presented as to that was due to race no and again it's something that the broncos have disputed um and throughout a lot of this there's a lot of stats in there a lot of stats in the lawsuit um but it's a and i want to be very careful because i i I have formed no opinion of this i don't have enough knowledge on it i've only i've only read the whole thing it's available online anyone can go and read it um there's not a lot in there that leads to leads me to believe it will be it will go anywhere. I think this has been put forward so that others will join, and it's a social pressure. The things that are being asked for, I can read you what are being asked for um, and what they actually want. So there's five or six individual things that he's particularly asked for. Mm-hmm. Um, so an increase in diversity of ownership. Uh, by creating a committee that's dedicated to sourcing black investors. Okay, I'm all for that, but you're going to have to have people sell in order to want to buy. That That's, you know. Uh, diversity in decision-making permitted by black players, coaches uh, to participate in interviews. I'm all for that as well. If, if you get more, disp- uh, more um, diversity in the interview process, you're going to get more people being hired. Uh, there's lots of different things like these and I'm all for them. I just don't see under the current way that the league is structured, how you're going to do that. I don't see how any of these things. That's the entire point of the lawsuit (laughs) is that the way the league is structured, which is much bigger than the Broncos. It's much bigger than any of the industry. I started reading this. No, no, I started reading this as a Broncos fan. because I want to find out what happened. There's there's very little in regards to the Broncos part. So that's, that's my part of it. The one thing I want to say, and this is what I, I don't believe this is a lawsuit to sue them. I don't, believe this is a lawsuit to to do anything it's other looking than for money is it create no. pressure well it mentions in there that there's three different uh they're suing them for general amounts that are three particular three that are identified as three particular things i think this is more to create the conversation open it up and create real change in the nfl mm-hmm. what now, this is what this is is stage two of what kaepernick started yep and it's exactly what should have happened two or three years ago if I'm honest, well, in the, that's the, interesting the, because... the, the, the conversation needs to happen. The Rooney rule obviously doesn't work. You know, there are too many easy ways around it. Um, you know, like you said, you can just turn up to the interview and tick the box and go, oh yeah, we've interviewed minority 
coaches, job done, you know, now we hire who we want to hire. You know, there is nothing to say that you can't. The one that worries me a little bit in this whole thing is uh, being asked to take money for match fixing. I want to get to that next. That's, I want to deal now, with that I know, separately. Then, I know we, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's let's deal on. with the first bit first, and then okay. the match-fixing stuff afterwards. Well, cause... Interesting Interesting. you mentioned about Kaepernick, because he's specifically named in the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, John Gruden is specifically named in the lawsuit as well. Um, there's several different... Uh, Jim Caldwell is named in the lawsuit. There's, there's lots of different people who are named as examples. And actually, I, rec- I genuinely do recommend reading it. I had no intention of going reading through the whole thing. And you end up reading it because it's actually really interesting because it doesn't read as a lawsuit. Mm-hmm. It reads as a story. It reads as, it's almost like a dissertation. I think that's yeah. the best example. You, and I haven't thought about this or rehearsed it or anything. That's kind of my feeling on it. It is literally a dissertation. Go on to, and just type in, you know, Flores lawsuit is on CNN. They've got a full thing where you can read all the way through it. Skip a lot of it because it is just legal, legal stuff towards the bottom. But other than that, it's sort of twenty-five pages of genuinely interesting stuff. And I, I think it's interesting that you mentioned about it being part two of the. I think it's part two of uh, the the Kaepernick part. I don't think the NFL saw the Kaepernick part as. A problem with race i think they saw it no, as a problem with a player they didn't this they is, didn't this and is where the they problem. see it as a problem with race. because if if they taken it seriously in the first place when kaepernick started and the kneeling mm-hmm. started and everything else and the whole you know the whole of this movement and the whole reason this has come to pass is because they didn't take it seriously and they yeah. didn't look at their practices and they didn't make the right changes they but just this, kind this of fed lawsuit. it lip service and then thought oh well if we blackball him and get him out of the way it won't be a problem this is exactly what's needed. Yes, yeah, some decals on our helmets and uh, yeah, everything's all right. Yeah, exactly. This lawsuit specifically mentions, uh, it gives screenshots from um, Brian Flores's phone of the text between him and Bill Belichick. It actually yep. notes the screen. You can see the screenshots. It also gives mugshots of every single head coach in the league. So you can see the disproportion between white and black guys. There's and one. Same goes. It's Mike Tomlin. One. Tomlin. Same goes for um, GMs as well. Yeah. So exactly the same. I think there's six of them. Six black. They have GMs just hired well. a black GM for the the Vikings, which is good. Yeah. But you know, six in total. They need a lot more. Um, but th- but this I, I this comes get... from this stems from you know the the racism that's endemic within the sport. You know, it's not too long ago that they said that a black person couldn't play center or couldn't play middle yeah. linebacker or can play safety. It's a more cerebral position. We still get a, a, dis, a disparity between scouting of the quarterback position from college. I've noticed it several times during my time doing this podcast. When we're looking at college QBs, people will pick up the tiniest issue. Sorry, with someone like Deshaun Watson or Justin Fields or Trey Lance, yeah. but... Lamar Mitch Jackson. Trubisky gets gets a, a free pass all the way through. You know, Daniel Jones somehow gets gets the green light. Jared Goff. You know, these players are, are not given the same um, allowance, basically, when they're playing that kind of position because for a long time they weren't allowed to play a position. Or, you know, it's not like a, a Fran Tarkenton was, mm. or a, was a, an anomaly. Doug, Doug Williams and, and Warren Moon, you know, both – black quarterbacks when I first started watching pretty much, you know, mm-hmm. mid-late 80s. Um, 
yeah, you, you would hear it in commentators. You, if you go back and watch those old commentaries, you know, as soon as a, as soon as a, a, a bad throw happens or an inception happens, you know, they're straight on him. And, and, yep. and you know, it, it's brutal to listen to now. But of course, at the time, it's just, oh, well, you know, that's, that's, that's just the way the quarterbacks are. I mean, you know, to a 12 year old kid, it's not, 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 you know, you don't pick up on it in the same way. But, it's so systemic within the NFL and the owners and, you know, their little cabal of I'll scratch your back. If you scratch mine, you know, you've got, you've got Snyder and the Washington report that no one's ever seen. No one's ever heard of, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's all just circle of wagons and we'll hope it goes, goes away. That statement they released was horrific. You know, to basically go, no, we don't believe it. It's, it's no just merit. nonsense, you know. There's it, no regulator. They are it, they're self-regulated. Oh, it's like it, the only the only other industry that's worth anywhere near as much is um, real estate is uh, estate agents. There's no regulator regulator for estate agents. That's why everyone hates estate agents. You know, it, they control their own narrative, and that that's that. I think the the one thing to mention with this lawsuit is it's I don't believe it's a it's a lawsuit. I don't believe that's its intended purpose. I think it's a formal way of making a conversation official. Do you, do you, want, do you get what yeah, I mean? In absolutely. a really weird way. Read it, genuinely read it, because it is a bloody interesting read. It's I, the frustration I, of a head coach who was fired after a winning it's season. It's the frustration of a system. Who is seeing... I don't think this is written specifically by Brian Flores as law. By, I, this, it came out too quickly and contains too much information for it to be written in a short period. I think this is something that's been brewing for a long time, has probably been sourced from various well, different places. Let's be, let's be honest, it's, it, it's probably been put together since the match-fixing stuff. Um, yeah. So if, if that all happened, when was it, last season, I think they said. Then, yeah, 2019, you know, 2019, 2019, 2019 sorry. So, yeah. so Flores has, you know, he's definitely been thinking about this since then. It's... It, this isn't something, as you say, Dave, that he's come up with overnight. But you know, it's if, if I had to hazard a guess, I would say the settlement that we will see, and there will be a settlement. I, I genuinely believe it. The settlement we'll see will go towards there being some kind of setup for uh, a committee that's going to ensure that hirings are done the right way or there's going to be some kind of committee that's going to set up and that's what the nfl are going to put money into and that's where we're going to end up going with it but it ultimately it started a conversation yeah i think you're right dave it does need an overhaul of the process because for a long time now i felt that the rooney rule was a bit silly i didn't but i think that's because i came from it from the wrong way i i thought it was just going to be a given that you would want the best head coach for your franchise and it shouldn't matter what pigment their skin color is you want the best the best guy in there to get the best out of your players to get you the best record. And so I I didn't really understand why this Rooney rule was was that important. And it's only now that you kind of look at it again and go, well, yeah, they were just box checking because they didn't even want to do it in the first place. It made a mockery of that. They do need to overhaul the entire process. They may need to be forced to put people and give people a chance because they don't. I mean, and when you think about what's going on what? right now, do you know what I was going to say? I mean, Josh McCown, right, is getting a second interview for the head, the Houston Texans head coaching job. Josh McCown has no coaching experience, not college, NFL, high school, Pee Wee League. He has never done anything 
in terms of coaching NFL, uh, coaching American football, okay? Whereas you've got so many coaches. Brian Flores is now out in the weeds despite taking a terrible Dolphins team uh, and giving them a winning record despite all the stuff that was going on in Miami. You've got people like Lovey Smith was fired by the Bears in 2012 despite a 10-6 and 6 record, okay? Um, spent nine seasons with that team. He won the NFC North three times, got to the Super Bowl in 2006. He's currently the associate head coach slash defensive coordinator of the Texans. Why is he not the outstanding candidate to be put in as the head coach right now for the Texans. Um, he even coached Josh McCown when he was head coach of the Bucks back in 2014. And yet Josh McCown is now one of the three contenders to be the head coach in Houston. Absolutely crazy. Leslie Frazier, we mentioned him as our defensive coordinator of the year, Punk. You know, yeah. he's the best defensive coordinator in the league this year. Um, he has been head coach before the Vikings when he was stuck with Christian Ponder as the QB and still did it. I still gave him a re- winning record one of the seasons. He's not mentioned. He's not there, you know, but we've got, with all due respect, Matt Aberflus and Josh McDaniels, you know, these these no marks that shouldn't be anywhere near a head coaching position that are given chance after chance after chance. It it boils my piss and I'm so fucked off at the NFL that they do this all the time. It's not not a meritocracy. It is not a meritocracy. Now, I I said about an hour ago, there there was a coordinator out there that I would love us to hire. Um, and it's exactly the type of thing that the Raiders used to do with Al Davis. Mm-hmm. And I think we should go out tomorrow and we should hire Flores as the yeah. defensive coordinator, put a guard round him, basically, from the NFL. Because, you know, we got done over this season as well. The Raiders have been done over by the NFL so many times. You know, we've had the first Latino coach. We've had, you know, the first blackhead coach. We, yeah, you know, diversity is what Al Davis was all about. and. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't care. I, I, he just wanted he to win. He didn't care. He just wanted to win. He wanted to stick his fingers up to the NFL and, and the kind of old boys club that it was then. And it still is now. Yeah. And I would love Mark Davis to go out and hire Flores tomorrow as our DC and just absolutely stick two fingers up to the NFL. And, you know, the whole thing is absolutely stinks. You know what I mean? It has done for years. You know, maybe, maybe not that we've been blind to it. We've all seen it, but maybe we don't shout about it enough. You know, we all just kind of accept it and go with and go, oh, it's the NFL. It's the old boys network. You know what? If if these owners are circumventing the diversity rules, take the flipping franchises away from them. Force them to sell up like they do in the NBA at times, you know? Um yeah, it just it, if 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 you're caught match fixing or or trying to match fix in any way, shape, or form. You shouldn't have a franchise. You well, know? that brings us on to the next bit. I mean, we're talking about the... Just the whole thing is... It just annoys the hell out of me because it's... American football, at, at its heart, is one of the truest team sports on the planet. Mm-hmm. And you cannot win it as an individual. And you cannot win it without an entire team around you. So, you know, for, for these owners to be the only ones that... that get to make these decisions and it's just wrong man and like you said jim it just boils my piss when this stuff comes out you know and jesus well all of the people that you mentioned jim all of those people are named in the lawsuit um the one thing that does continually mention it mentions well it mentions eric Bieniemy as well and gives specific yeah. examples why the him. hell isn't he now 
given the head coach because position? the because the interviews terribly from what I, what we've he's been fed back. So but has he, he? If he has he interviewed terribly, terribly can the interview much worse than those other been white labeled. guys that we just talked about? This is, this is just what it says. It'd be apparently interviews terribly. Shouldn't that, matter. Shouldn't all, matter. All what's, the, what's his coaching experience? Is he a good? Is he a good coach? Well, Do the players like him? I can't believe he interviews much worse. And is that a? Is that the white guys going? Oh, this is the reason he interviewed badly. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's just a, a catch-all for it. Is it just a? Is that an excuse that they give? You maybe know? an excuse. Oh, he tested uh, badly. The, I, look at, at his at record. The same time, ask the people at around the same him. Time. Ask, ask Andy Reid. Is he good enough to be a head coach in the NFL? Matt Nagy was a non-play calling a coordinator, a coordinator for Andy Reid. He gets the head coaching job in Chicago. Shits out there, and he's still he's still in the conversation when it comes to the next head coaching vacancy. There is something utterly wrong with that the way that they're it. hiring head coaches in this league. They, they're just about allowed to be coordinators now in this league, but they're not allowed to hold the franchise reins. Yeah. And we talk about selling up. They won't sell up because they keep making more and more money because the NFL gets more and more popular every year. And so no owner is going to give it up. It's like holding onto a house. You know, you just don't sell the house because the value goes up all yeah. the time. Which is why I think at the end of the day, some of them need to be forced to. And unfortunately, the, the they, go, but they won't force them because they've all got the same values when it comes to hiring and firing their coaches by the looks of it. The other part I mentioned as well is, is um, in terms of positional coaches. So you, you do have um, a lot of defensive and defensive coordinators. Um, you don't have many QB coaches. And QB coaches, more often than not, are touted as being next head coaches. I think that's an offshoot of the, the black quarterback. Yeah, and only recently um, becoming someone that's trusted. Yeah, by um, the uh, seven there uh, as of the twenty twenty one season, there were seven head coaches who were previously a QB coach. Zach Taylor being one of them. Zach Taylor was never an offensive coordinator. He went straight from being a QB coach to being head coach. Yeah, and his record's so, terrible yeah, without defined. Joe Burrow playing. So and it's a defined I... past. So I th- I think it's it's um. It's definitely the the whole point of a lawsuit has been to open up a conversation, and I think it's fair to say it's done that. Another thing I don't like though is they go, "Oh, well, are you are you blackballed now? Is that the end of your NFL career?" This should be the start of his career. This should be exactly. if the NFL had any brains at all, then they would look to embrace him and go, "We're really sorry that you felt this way. That was never our intention." You know, let's see what we can do to get you on the path to another head coaching job because clearly it didn't Come work, work out. Come work with in us and, and give exactly, us your yeah. ideas. Yeah, yeah exactly. not not go. This is without merit. This is all r- ridiculous, and we don't expect to hear from you again. It's like let me ask, let me ask you another percentage. What, what percentage do you think the NFL are likely to do that? So what what how much faith do you have in terms of percentage that they are going to do that? that it all depends on pressure. It all depends on outside pressure. I mean, they've got the it Super Bowl on outside and inside with, pressure. With Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. Eminem. Yeah. You know, what are they going to do in the halftime show? Are they, is this going to come up? This might get mentioned. What are the players going to do? I, I have no faith in the What are the players going to do in the Super Bowl? What are they going to have on their cleats? What are they going to be wearing? What are they going to be saying? Like we, no. said, like we said, you know, media day, media day next week is going to be fun. It's yeah. going to be really fun for us on the outside looking in. But I can see that it's going to make a lot of NFL people very uncomfortable. And that's a good thing, you know. Um, I, I, it, the problem is, is that I have absolutely no faith that the NFL will, will do anything about it because they, like you said earlier, Dave, you know, they're policing themselves. 
There's, mm. there's no independent commission here that's that's going to sit there and go, well, this is a problem, that's a problem, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They literally will do what they've done with the Washington stuff and sweep it under the carpet. That's mm. what the NFL owners do. Or after all of this, there's going to be an investigation and someone of the Raiders will get fired. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> the Raiders are the only ones that do ever stick their fingers up to the NFL and go, we don't care. We're doing it anyway. If they can't you kick know? out Snyder after what he's done to his franchise, then I've got no faith they're going to sort out Stephen Ross. Unless the second part of the bombshell um, is corroborated. And that is that in 2019, Brian Flores was offered $100,000 a loss to get them the number one pick in the draft. Now they were, I think they were in the number one position in December. They actually won four games in that month. Um, and the Bengals, they won two as well, but the Bengals ended up with the number one overall pick and they took Joe Burrow. Obviously in hindsight, that works. But we said when we were reviewing the season and we were looking at the games, like they're tanking, they're so bad. And then all of a sudden yep. they seem to well, find of something. The season. Well, beginning of the season, they were bad. Then they yeah. got rid of Laramie Tunsil, their star left tackle. Mm-hmm. Then they got rid of Minka Fitzpatrick. Kenyon and they Drake. got rid of Kenny Stills. Kenyon Drake. I mean, they were they were tanking more than any team I've ever seen tank. Mm-hmm. You, go back and look at the start of the season. They were putting 50 points on. They were yeah, Ravens got 50 points. on them, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. And I remember saying at the end of that 20, uh, 2019 season, I, I remember, I think I specifically said it's you, Jim. It's what your expectations were versus what you delivered. And that's the reason Flores was coach of the year. Mm. Don't give me you this who wins the Super Bowl. I mean, Zach Taylor is obviously coach of the year this year by definition because it's what you what you expected them to achieve versus what they did achieve or their yeah. team achieved. So Flores, I, if they'd won one game, it'd have been nom- nominee for coach of the season because <laughs> you didn't expect him to win out. Um and I, the 2019 season was a funny one. But again, you know, the Browns head coach, Hugh Jackson, said that he was um, sort of touted to lose lose games and get well, he got, he could, I mean, Yeah, he's he clearly got bonuses for that as well. Uh, he yeah, yeah. a millionaire for that. <laughs> yeah. He, he was given bonuses after uh, losing a certain amount of games for a season for the Browns because they had a, a, a long-term plan for that. And that's why they gave him an extension to his contract, which on the outside, we said, well, why are you give him an extension? And you won like one game, you know, or we didn't win any games. And we're like, well, why are you give him an extension? Well, well, actually, because it's a bit like, well, it's not the only sport that does it. I mean, you know, Nelson Piquet uh, crashed his own car in F1 to get a contract yeah. extension uh, for Renault. They found out because yeah. he, uh, he couldn't keep his mouth shut, but it was easiest for him to do it. And for the, the thing is, you can try and incentivize a, a, a GM to to tank, and you can maybe get a head coach to call the wrong play or something. I mean, Matt Nagy seems like he always called the wrong play, but you know, <laughs> you can't get an NFL player to to really throw a game. It's much harder because there's all those other players around them. You know, you're, you're cycling players in and out for different plays, and they're all you know. Especially when you go down the depth chart, these guys are just hungry to to prove themselves. So it's much more difficult to tank an entire team, the ones you put on the field are going to be trying as hard as they can. Um, so, but, if you, but, but, but can, on the flip side, if you trade away all your good players, yeah, that's what then it do. makes it so, easier yeah, to do so that. So why were they then trying to tap up Brian Flores to, to lose the games? I'm not saying it didn't happen because I can, I can clearly imagine Stephen Ross saying that to him. Not saying he did, Absolutely. but it's not beyond the realm of possibility at all that a billionaire, a multi-billionaire would go up to 
his head coach and say, this is my team. I want the number one pick in the draft. I want you to lose I'm all these quite, games. I'm quite so surprised it was only a hundred grand. I thought it'd have been more than that. Her loss. The, the other, yeah, the other, um, what's it called? The thing mentioned in the lawsuit was that Brian Flores was invited onto um, Stephen Ross's yacht um, in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming, am I telling you this for the first time or are you aware of this? Don't know. Okay. So he was invited onto his yacht during the off season. And told that very soon they were going to be joined by a free agent franchise quarterback um, who's going to be coming aboard. In the oh, no, I do know this. Yeah, he got off the boat, didn't he? Him up. And he immediately said, no, that's illegal and left the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, his uh, he was given the choice of who wanted to be coordinators, who they then poo-pooed fairly quickly and got rid of. Um, and he was basically ostracized and frozen out. And I think they actually used the word ostracized in the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of uh, a lot of shady stuff going on, let's say. All of that, allegedly. The tapping up side of it happens every season just before yeah, free agency. It's, do you know it's, what? It's I'll what go, they I'll even, go to say even, it's happening right now. As of course speak. it is. It, it, even, it even ended up getting legitimized. They even created a nice little tapping up window yeah. that yeah. everyone refers to now because it, it, it's just prevalent. You know, it happens. So, you know, from that regard, tapping up of players has been going on forever. Um, it's nothing new. Everyone knows it happens. Is it right? Probably not. But if everyone's doing it, then just legitimize it, you know, um, which is kind of what the NFL did a few years ago. The, 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 it, it, like I said before, the, the, the match fixing thing is just, it, it is difficult to do. I mean, as, as, as you rightly say, Jim, you know, those guys that you're cycling in are, are playing for their lives, whether it's on that team or another team or, yep. you know, the average career span in the NFL is what three years. It's not for long. It's you know, it's not for long. So it's it's very much a case of you know you're going to be hard pushed to to do that. And the quarterbacks paid so much, you can't even just kind of bring a quarterback in and and say I'll give you fifty grand to chuck a game. You know, it's not like a League Two footballer who's on no. your grand a week or whatever. You know, so from that regard, it is difficult to do. But to even suggest it as an owner. And, you know, it, to me, it's almost worse than buying the league. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, I, those old 49er teams that used to massage their their books so they could afford to pay Jerry Rice and Joe Montana and you know, Roger Craig and everybody else. You know, I, I have no real problem with creative accounting. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? As, 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 long, as long as you're not doing it for any, any criminal purpose, then that's fine. But to actually try and and influence the league and the players in that way, it it just makes my blood boil. It really does because you know these guys have worked from pee wee football all the way up through through high school through college with their dream of getting to the NFL, and then you're tainting it by asking them to not do the one thing they want to do. Just. Get back in your box, you billionaire twat. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the cost is so much worse for a blackhead coach by the looks of it because you get the bad record, you don't get another chance. You don't Jackson get another does chance. not get another chance. Brian Flores has not had another chance somewhere else. You know, he should have been the first person snapped up this offseason. No yeah. excuse. And we said no, it. We said all it of when these, all, the all, of these co- all of these positions, including your two, should hang their heads in shame that they take Brian Flores over what they've got. 
I'm sorry, he's the best head coach out there. I'd take him right now, but I've I've got the only black head coach at the moment. So you know, I'd just be kicking out another black head coach, and that would be uh, the bad move. So <laughs> yeah, someone else take another black head coach for Christ's sake. You know, it's not difficult, and they they need to prove they can prove themselves as the best ones there. Absolutely. The one thing I would say in defence of the Broncos, because obviously I'm a Broncoite, but um, you're, you're saying that the Broncos should be ashamed. Let's mm-hmm. not forget the Broncos were. 60-70% through the hiring process and the interviewing process when um, Brian Flores was released from his role. The one thing I will say is I'm really disappointed that they didn't offer an interview at that point. Um, maybe there was some knowledge coming out that you know the Broncos were going to be named in a writ because things are found out. I don't know. Um, but I am disappointed that you know someone who is very highly regarded as being um, uh, a head coach wasn't given that opportunity and but probably would, will never be given that opportunity going forward I would love for this to actually make change in the NFL but let's be it honest won't. it won't it, it you know won't. it by the time by the time the draft rolls around this will have all been swept under the carpet um, something you know there might be some lip service paid to it but you know it, it's 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 the <sighs> It's it's the lack of change. It's the lack of, you know, actually holding your hands up and going, yes, we were wrong. We can be better. And actually wanting to be better. If you don't want to be better, you're never going to be better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I really do hope that this is the wake-up call that the NFL need. And the NFL, something good comes from this, you know. Because if Flores gets completely blackballed and canned from now on, then, you know, you almost kind of go, what's the point? If if, yeah. if if you're not a white coach in the NFL, what's the point? You know, you 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 just might as well not bother and just go and take up, you know, hockey or something instead. It's it's just it it it's it's disappointing as much as it is as it angers me, you know, because it's 2022 for fuck's sake. Can we just not? do this anymore yeah it, it's not difficult you know i'm a 46 year old man or i'm nearly 46 in <laughs> a week or so you can down you know, there <laughs> i don't have these attitudes and you know it just doesn't make sense to me and i hate it i hate the whole thing and it's always the nfl always the nfl and i Some love that sport you know? To sum it up, I saw uh, an image on Twitter which kind of summed up exactly everyone's feelings at the moment. You know, at the back of the end zones, it says it takes all of us. Someone had um, edited that to say it takes all of you, and then a, a comma <laughs> saying, and not us. So yeah. the NFL was saying it takes all of you, not us. And yeah, I think that exactly. sums it up beautifully. Um, it was from a guy who had like 120 followers, um, and the tweet had like, I mean, it was in the hundreds of thousands of retweets. You, you, if you haven't seen it, you will see. It, I'm sure. Um, so it, it, it has legs and it has traction. Whether it will die by the draft, I don't know. I hope not. But um, yeah, it, it started the conversation, which was necessary. Absolutely. And with that, we're going to get going <laughs> on that lovely note. Uh, we're going to leave for for the week. Next week, we're back for the preview of the Super Bowl podcast. Some updates on uh, other head coaching hires. Maybe uh, Brian Flores, you never know. <laughs> like, uh, in a just world, that would happen. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't want to put him on the Saints. 
for his sake, I suppose, for as much as anything else. Uh, but yeah, until next week, guys, I've been Jim. That's been Demo Dave. That's been Punk Raider. Thank you so much for listening. 